Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet children's book authors and educators Tori Maldonado and Evan Wolkenstein. Using their own personal experiences of growing up, both writers create heartfelt, relatable tales that touch on universal issues of self-image and belonging. Each of the audiobooks will bring joy to young listeners and provide opportunities for families to talk about empathy, connection, and what it means to be understood. Listen in to hear how each author felt stepping into the studio, one for the second time, and find out who one author turned to for listening inspiration as he prepared. Enjoy. Hi, this is Tori Maldonado, author of What Lane? I wrote my book because I've read lots of great books about the issues of racism, privilege, criminalization of kids, and more that you'll find in What Lane. But those books have been written for adults by adults. And I wanted to write a book from my perspective about my journey that I find resonates with the journeys a lot of the middle school students who I teach. So I thought, you know, I have experience with taking tough concepts and turning them into fun learning experiences for kids. So I wanted to write a book where kids felt it was as good as their favorite movies, yet help them to have conversations and start conversations about the topics in what lane. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be hard. <laughs> Recording an audiobook is different from writing a book. When you're writing about a middle school boy, Obviously, I don't sound like a middle school boy, so I had to really strain my vocal cords and reach a register that I normally don't speak at, and then I had to sustain that for hours. So it was a tough process, but it was a labor of love. I'm really lucky because I got to be directed by Gordon Rothman for my second book, Tight, and also for this book, What Lane. And the first time around, Gordon did a lot of work with trying to make sure that my characters sounded distinct from each other. And I don't know if I achieved that so much in the first book. However, I'm really proud that Gordon and I were able to, and also the help of Kyle, who was working on production too, to really stretch my voice out and uh, make sure that my voice rode in different lanes. In what lane? If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, it would be a dream to have these people work together or even if we could morph these people into one body and they would execute the reading. The book is about a boy who's half black and half white. So I would love if we could shrink Trevor Noah down and he could narrate it. However, he has a South African accent, so he would need some coaching so that he could sound like he's from Brooklyn. Also, if we could take Dwayne The Rock Johnson and shrink him down, he's also mixed. It would work too. However, if those guys could read as well as these two audiobook narrators, then it would really be a dream come true. I have been listening to Dion Graham and Fred Berman and if Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Trevor Noah could pull off reading like Dion Graham and Fred Berman, then I would have died and gone to audiobook heaven. The last great audiobook that I listened to was called Infinity Ring, Curse of the Ancients by Matt De La Pena, and it was read by Dion Graham. One of the things that I loved about that is 
Dion Graham has the ability to switch voices and really confuse the listener. There were times I looked at the stereo speaker and I was thinking to myself, are five different people inside that booth with him? And it was just him. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks is inside my car. If I'm taking a long drive upstate or out of state, just pop in a great audiobook and it feels like not only am I transporting myself physically, but I'm also transporting my mind through the reading. And now listen to a clip from the audiobook. This movie is lit. Dan aims his TV remote to start Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Chad hated it. I played it for him here. All he said was, trash. They should have kept Spider-Man white. What? I shake my head. He's whack. How are you both even cousins? He lowers the remote. He's not whack. My parents' voices in my head say blood is thicker than water. Family picks family over friends. I ease up and stare at the window. Chad is Dan's cousin, and he just moved to our neighborhood. He's a sixth grader like us. So far, I'm not feeling him. Anything I say, he contradicts. Anytime I'm around, he puts me down. I hate how Dan doesn't notice, and now even defends him. Hi, this is Evan Walkenstein, author of Turtle Boy. I was inspired to write this book because I had a story to tell about who I was. And I'd been telling that story over and over since becoming 20-something and then a 30-something about how I had gone through this difficult experience having the medical condition that Will has and telling it kind of as a coming-of-age story in which I'm victorious at the end. But I hadn't really been honest with myself about the fact that I still had grief about the suffering that I had gone through. And also, I had a lot of animosity about the way that I behaved when I was young and hurting. And I said and did a lot of stupid things. And I was carrying those, but kind of not really paying attention to them. And so in my 40s, I thought, maybe I can lay some of this to rest, telling the story of who I was, being a little bit more honest about who I was, but also celebrating how far I had come. And at the time, I was actually writing a style blog called Style for Dorks, and I (laughs) was very interested in personal transformation through style. And I was doing that for myself and through other people. So I thought, wouldn't it make sense on my own style blog, which is about transformation, to have this comic strip about my own transformation. And once I completed that project, I realized that I had only just begun and that the comic strip was just the first crumb on a trail of breadcrumbs that led to this book. And once in fictional form, I realized that Will, who's me, because my first name is Matt, and Matt is kind of an anagram of Will, Once it was in fiction form, I felt more free to both analyze myself and also find compassion for myself. So this project has been a revisiting of old, difficult memories with kind of a celebratory end, but giving a little bit more honesty to the pain that I experienced. Secondly, in my 20s, I wrote a lot of short stories. I went to the University of Wisconsin-Madison and was in their writing program. And I wrote all through my 20s feverishly short stories all the time, cranking them out as fast as I could. And I was very passionate about it. 
around the time I turned 30, I finished what I felt like was my best story. And I made the rookie move, even though I've been writing for a while, but still capable of making rookie moves. I made the rookie move of comparing the next story's beginning lousy first drafts to the excellent final draft of the story before it. And that created this kind of paralysis, like a, a writer's block. And I put writing away for 10 years. And during that time, I focused on drawing and reading, and I was very into graphic novels. I was becoming a teacher, and I was working on my teaching skills. So writing really went underground. And all that stuff came together in my early 40s when this book came along. And it was like joining young me and 20-something me and 30-something me all came together in my 40s. And that's what Turtle Boy is. So initially, after I created the autobiographical comic strip, I thought that was it, and maybe it could turn into a graphic novel for adolescents, or maybe like a short book, like something you might give as a gift to somebody who is going through a difficult period, a story of hope and a story of strength, and a story where maybe many adolescents might see themselves in my struggles and get a sense of like, if that guy could survive what he went through, certainly I can. And I sent it to my agent, Richard Abate, and he looked at it and he said, no, 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 this is a young adult story. It's going to be called Swimming with Turtles. And do you think you can write that? And I don't know how he did that, but like he just like channeled the final scene of the book without really knowing anything about how I was going to get there. And I was like, yeah, I am, I'm up for the challenge. You know, I, I haven't written anything in you know, 10 years. And I felt like I was kind of coming home to this old passion that I'd had. But there was something about having, you know, having it be an agent is incredible, of course, but having anybody just be like, I want you to do this thing, go do it, is incredibly motivating, especially because as anybody who's ever created anything knows, the early stages, <laughs> the early and middle and late stages are all full of self-doubt and self-loathing and feeling like all you can write is garbage. And you need to have somebody waiting for you with their arms crossed and their foot tapping saying, when is the next draft coming along to help you just motor through that emotional blob moment. And I feel like in a lot of ways, though I wrote the book and I was writing it for Will, I was writing it for Matt, but I was writing it for Richard and, and that really got the book out of my mind and onto the page. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be Yom Kippur. It's two words, but we'll say it as one. And the reason why is that Yom Kippur is not an easy holiday. Anybody who's celebrated it knows that you can be pretty anxious about it leading up to it. The liturgy is intense. It's physically challenging. And there's a lot riding on it. You know, it's both the day of judgment, but also there's the deep celebration of peeling apart the layers of who you are and finding just your real self in there, in the presence of your community. And in a lot of ways, recording this book has been like that. It's hard to sit on a stool for eight hours a day for four days on end. And the mental concentration is really challenging and trying to stay focused and wanting so deeply for my words to be like, like prayers. It's like prayer. You know, with prayer, you're saying words and you can just say it or you can say it and you can mean it. And so keeping that going for all day, whether it's Yom Kippur or whether that's going for recording an audiobook, it pulls from the same place in you. But at the end of Yom Kippur is Ne'ilah, it's the final service, and it's sort of like the whole congregation is 
kind of on fire together. And there's this beautiful sort of, these are our final moments as we come to the end of this journey. And recording Turtle Boy has been like that as well with the wonder and the doubt and the anxiety and the excitement and the inspiration. And then the kind of like wrapping it up and saying, I've done the best that I can. And I believe that it's truly what I have to say. I realized I had trouble pronouncing a lot of words due to my Midwestern accent. It doesn't come out all the time, and Gabby, my wife, tells me that I sometimes will drop a thick Midwestern accent when I'm annoyed with something, and there was a couple of times when we had to re-record the word R-O-O-T-S, roots. I would say it as roots. I'll talk about wanting to have a nice root beer and <laughs> rather than root. And then we had a little trouble with coupon also. I have the tendency to want to say coupon. So trying to learn to soften some of that, even though Will is from the same part of Wisconsin that I am from, and I'm proud of it, I don't necessarily need to have it (laughs) overpowering the narration. I'm proud that I was able to tap into the deep, deep well of emotion that fuels this book. There were times reading where I was just on the brink of sobbing, And Lisa, my director, would really carefully sort of have me rein it in so that you can get just the flow of emotion that you need and not to really overwhelm the story or the readers for that matter. But I didn't know coming into the recording booth whether the emotion would be there or whether it would kind of be a mental exercise of like reading it in a certain way. I'm proud. I'm proud that I cried while I was reading and I'm proud that my heart pounded while I was reading and it's... The story is real and alive and within me, and I'm just thrilled that it was able to come out in a recording booth. I'm excited for listeners, especially young listeners who are going through some kind of a difficult transformation, or they're living in a kind of darkness, or they are just feeling bad about themselves. I'm excited for them to recognize something in my book that they relate to that sounds familiar, and for it to give them the sense that You don't have to change to become more of who you are. Even though Will goes through a surgery that makes him look a little different, the real transformation is the one that he's able to make once he's able to see himself the way people who love him see him. And I am excited for listeners to be able to stop for a moment and just imagine how you seem to the people who love you and the way that might transform the way you see yourself. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast Jim Henson (laughs) as the narrator. And I know that Jim Henson is not a narrator personality, and he's mostly known for his voices and his Muppets, but his characters are very special to me. Some of the first things I did with my voice as a teenager was imitating Muppets. And I really loved Kermit the Frog, and I would like do his voice in class, and I would make people laugh with it. And it was some of the first, like, having a persona beyond my own kind of turtle, ironically a frog, right? Uh, And even at Gabby and my wedding, we sang Rainbow Connection because so much of Kermit and his personality is something that I relate to. He's ornery sometimes, but he's so hopeful and he believes in the dream. And I think Will is a lot like that in a lot of ways. So Kermit or Jim Henson would be incredible if they were available. The last great audiobook that I listened to is a beautiful book called Someday We Will Fly, and it's by Rachel DeWaskin, and it's narrated by Jane Entwistle. And the book is beautiful and moving and heartbreaking, 
and yet hopeful. But the narration is is magical. It really just brings the book off the page and it really filled me with who the characters were. And there's one other great book that I listened to just before that that's called As Brave As You by Jason Reynolds. That book is beautiful and it's narrated by Guy Lockhart. The characters have different backgrounds than the characters in Turtle Boy, but they're around the same age. And so I looked to those characters and how they saw the world as a way of inspiring how my characters might see things as well. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks is in my kitchen with a scrubber sponge in one hand and a spatula in the other. Audiobooks are the way that I have of taking the time that I spend every night lovingly taking care of our dishes and our kitchen and taking care of the family and whatever. But at the same time, the book allows me to have a little bit of personal time in the middle of a busy day. And while I am not a huge fan of dishwashing in particular, there's something about listening to a book while dishwashing that turns it into a little bit of self-care time. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. Hey, Will, said Jake, got your chin. He snatched at my face, pinching his thumb between the knuckles of his pointer and middle fingers. His big, dumb friend Spencer guffawed. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And the two of them walked off together, leaving me with my PB&J sandwich. Got your chin? What did that even mean? I had no one to ask. I always sat alone at lunch. At the opposite side of the table, some fourth graders were building a catapult out of drinking straws. I forgot all about Jake's little taunt until a few weeks later, when I was sitting at my desk waiting for fifth grade social studies to start. He walked into class, hands cupped like he'd caught a grasshopper. I found it, he announced, peeking between his hands. <laughs> Will's missing chin! This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind-the-mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash next listen.